Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. As you can see this week, it is just Ben and I. Libby is out. And so we will have a, will it be a sadder pod, Ben? Oh, it's much sadder. I don't know what I'm doing, what's going on. This feels so foreign and strange. And like, I talk to you all the time. And yet this is just... We're missing a limb. Like, it's just, it doesn't feel right. We're missing a limb and probably missing a brain? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, limb is the wrong word, but, like, Libby is definitely the most important, important appendage of the, of the Millions of Screens team. So, oh, boy. Sorry, it's gonna be It's, it's going to be a wild ride. So strap <laughs> in for this Libby-less Millions of Screens episode. This is the millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. We're skipping the clicker, Ben. Libby's not it. here. We're throwing the rules out the out the windows. Listen, for one, Libby's always the one on the podcast who's like, we got to do the clicker. I don't know why you guys don't want to do it. I This news is important. We have to talk about it. So now that she's gone, we're, we're ignoring that wisdom. But also... TV stops when Libby's not working, so there is no news. So it's a win-win. All right, Ben. So in a week, as you said, we'll know who the nominees are. But going into this whole process of phase one, what did you think? I mean, I know what you thought. Were the strongest contenders for potential nominees for Best Comedy Series? You had Marvelous Miss Maisel, Schitt's Creek, Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Good Place, Dead to Me, Rami, Better Things, and Insecure. And speaking for Libby, she had the same eight with just a little variance on the order of five through eight. Yeah, and that's, it's honestly pretty surprising to me that we've come to an agreement on these eight nominees because one, when we started, when we went into this year, we knew there was going to be a lot of turnover. Plenty of nominees from last year are no longer around. Veep and Fleabag are both gone. Um, and now, you know, Nasal's back. There's some new shows that are really trying to, you know, barge into the field and, and steal some nominations. There's some Barry couldn't finish the season, so Barry right, can yeah. Barry's gone. Um, so there's, so because of the, all the turnover, it seems like just about anything can happen. And I do think that still kind of toward the bottom of that category, it feels like, you know, a few things could move or, or slip in and out. The Kaminsky method is something that people are still pretty high on. Um, some people have a lot of faith in The Great on Hulu. Uh, Space Force is something that was very well seen and has Steve Carell on a big cast and Netflix behind it, so that won't go away. Um, and yet it's it still also feels like a lot of the shows that you just mentioned are just too hard to argue against. Like it just seems like Insecure had a really good season and that it was always one of those shows that was sitting right on the outskirts if it didn't quite get in, so now it's the time for it to get in. Uh, Better Things, you know, has is, is been on the cusp for a while. It's very well liked within the industry. It's been growing since it was available on Hulu. Um, Dead to Me is very popular. Uh, Rami has had a big year in its second season, had a big year for its first season uh, after the Emmys. So it just, it, it it's weird. It's like something is going to shake this category up, I think. I don't expect to be eight for eight on this, but 
uh, it's hard to guess exactly where it's going to come from. Well, why don't we talk about the four that you and Libby were locked in on, the top four. Obviously, you have Maisel there. It won two years ago uh, and then was sort of upset by Fleabag last year. A lot of people, you actually in your column mentioned that, like, what is this year's Fleabag? And could it be Schitt's Creek? There's a lot of sort of noise around Schitt's Creek right now in terms of it potentially upsetting Maisel. Yeah, and I, I feel like, and we talked a little bit about this last week too, but I feel like that's something that's almost been manufactured around the show by the people who are really passionate, like that that relatively small cult fan base that's grown a little bit in the final years, you know, really wants to believe that for its final season, people will rally behind this and, and give it a shot. But Maisel is is an absolute powerhouse. It's something that has only really gained steam since it won the category two years ago for its first year. It did very, very well last year facing something that was just an unstoppable force. So to think that it's going to, you know, suddenly drop off or, or become a second fiddle to anybody in its third year round, like that's just, that just seems like a stretch to me. Um, but I, I mean, I like the campaigning around it. Like I like the idea of, uh, you know, a spoiler of Schitt's Creek that, that is sitting right there on the edge and is kind of the, you know, the pop TV underdog to Amazon's Goliath um, and to mix metaphors a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, I'd love to see something like Curb get some recognition. It's had a fantastic season and uh, I think people really do like it a lot. And Larry David has been front and center throughout, you know, the, the pandemic, you know, kind of with his own with his own interviews and photos that have gone viral and um yeah it's just it's just a great show and and you know we love comedies and there's a lot of good ones this year so um i i feel like it's those those top four you know the good place and dead to me might switch in nominations count like one might do better than the other rami could end up having a really big year and and you know kind of usurping some of like getting its way into the top slots but um, definitely Maisel, Schitt's Creek, and Curb are, are pretty solid. You mentioned that this would that Schitt's Creek would be nominated for its final season, uh, as would the good, the good Place. What of those other the the ones that are in your spoilers and you're in your perfect world? What other on the outside looking in final season shows? So Silicon Valley, Modern Family, Baskets, Kidding now, <laughs> Kidding, yeah. Ugh, in between, in between last week's pod and this week's pod, kidding, kidding, second season may have become its final season. Yeah, it was, uh, I, it was canceled. It does not look like anybody would pick that up. So, which of which of those shows do you think has the best chance of sneaking into the the field? I would. I mean, I'd have to say Modern Family, if only because it's such a legacy pick that it it was so beloved for so long during those first four or five seasons that you know, you can never fully count it out and there could be a resurgence for that final year. But with a lot of shows, uh, especially at the Emmys, unless it's something that they came to a little bit late, the final season doesn't make as much of a difference as people want to believe it does. It's not like there's going to be a a resurgence of enthusiasm. And and I always think, especially with Modern Family as a good parallel, uh, Mad Men is just the exemplar here. Like, it did very well for its first four or five seasons. It became this juggernaut. And then they were like, okay, we're good. Like we've done that enough. There's new shows. We're going to move on. And they very much treated modern family in the same fashion. So I I don't think that'll kind of come back. Silicon Valley was one that never really got to that same level. And it also just faded in a way that it felt like it was less and less relevant as each of the final few seasons went by. It also had a long break between its like it's fifth season, it's sixth season, or, or it's second to last and it's last season. Um, so it'd be pretty surprising to see that one get back in the field. Kidding obviously never made much of a difference, but 
I think baskets is one of those things where I, I would be shocked if it got into the comedy field because it's just, it ended a long time ago. It never really broke in, in this regard, but it could make some hay for like supporting actor. Like we talked about in the past, like Louis Anderson, who's just very well liked and the category has been expanded. So like it could still get some recognition. Modern family could still get some recognition in, in the acting categories, which it was always successful in. Um, but no, I, I think that those would be pretty tough sells. Honestly, I think if there's going to be a surprise from outside of the ones we've already mentioned, it would be... I think I know where you're FX. going with this. It would be FX is what we do in the shadows. That's um, not where I thought you were going with this. Where do you think I was going? What did you I thought you were going to Netflix again. Space, Space Force? Force? I mentioned that. We talked about Space Force. It's in there. Space Force could happen. Okay. I'm the only one who'd be happy to see it happen, but it could happen. Um, no, I think, I think Space Force has a good shot if only because it was very well seen and people like Steve Carell kind of no matter what. Um, but what we do in the shadows is definitely one of those things that elevated from something that people really liked and respected, got good reviews, saw a lot of potential within for that first season. And season two is just, no, 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 this is elite now. Like this has really become the funniest show on TV. So if we're just looking for something that's really, really funny and we're going to ignore some of the, you know, the grander ideas or, you know, the, the, the drama that gets sneaked into some of these hybrid shows. Um, if we're just looking for laughs, then what we do in the shadows would be in the top five. Um, but because it, it didn't have as much success in the first season, that means it's harder to break in in season two. But this is still the kind of thing where um, if enough people caught up with it, then it could, it could surprise people. It could sneak in, which would be great. Taika was, did a great job. Jermaine did a great job. The whole cast is wonderful. So, um, that'd be fun. And that's, I mean, as I think we talked about this last week too, but like just for all of us, this is a category that when you look at the in a perfect world picks, like when you look at the ones that really aren't in consideration, aren't in competition that have kind of been counted out, it's an incredible class of comedies. Um, and then the ones that are kind of favored are, there's a mix of really, really strong stuff and stuff where you're just kind of like, well, this is just the TV Academy's taste. So, um, it, it, there's a there's a world in which a perfect picture emerges on Tuesday morning and a world in which that picture is just terrifying and upsetting and we all scream for days. For for those who don't have access to the document that Ben and I are looking at, or Ben's, uh, you do have access to the internet, I'm assuming, you can look at Ben's uh, comedy series predictions, his In a Perfect World grouping. Uh, and I'm just going to throw what we do in the shadows in there, even though it's in spoilers. This would be a pretty insane eight if you did what we do in the shadows, glow, kidding, baskets, dear white people, Vita, Los Spookies, sex education. So did I do nine? I did nine. Whatever. Sex education. And it's always sunny in Philadelphia. In. <laughs> We're doing nine, nine shows. Uh, but I think. I mean, it's worth noting that I just can't believe it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Has never been has never gotten like a, a, a big nomination at the Emmys. It's gotten like a couple of the smaller creative arts nods, but like none of the actors, none of the writing and obviously not for comedy series. And it's still, it's fantastic. So I don't, I don't know if that day will ever come, but boy, that would be a, a nice surprise. That would be a perfect world. Uh, well then do we want to talk a little bit about, obviously there's sort of, I mean, you do have the list of, what was submitted for directing and writing, but they're obscenely long. But just to, if you wanted to throw out, what do you think is sort of a guarantee, if you will, a very general guarantee, like to say, Maisel, 
Maisel will be nominated for writing or directing. And then something you really would like to see celebrated in some way or nominated. Well, in terms of, in terms of directing, I mean, I think that, again, like you mentioned, Maisel is pretty much the one that we know is a lock. It's something where um, it got two nominations last year, but lost to Fleabag mirroring what happened in comedy series, but it won for its first year. Like it it only got one nomination, but it won for that nomination. Um, So I would kind of expect to see a similar showing where it gets at least two nods. Fleabag swept series director and writer for last year at the Emmys. Right. And again, like Fleabag was just an unstoppable force. And I know that people want to make Schitt's Creek out to be that of this year, but that's just not like, there are not enough parallels to justify that comparison. Um, I will say that I feel like Curb Your Enthusiasm will probably get nominated when it comes to uh, directing. It's done pretty well in the past, though it's been a while since it actually scored another directing nomination. Um, But it won in 2003 when it was actually nominated for four different episodes. In 2002, it got its first nod. It was nominated for three again in 2004, again in 2006. And then uh, 2012, it picked up a nomination so it's been a little bit since it happened, but also this was a, a pretty solid season. So that one looks fairly strong. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see kind of the, whatever the, the, whatever the nomination leaders are emerge as a favorite here. So if Schitt's Creek really does gain some steam, perhaps it could get its first directing nomination, though I think that's a fairly long shot. Good Place could sneak in, um, even though that hasn't happened yet. And uh, I would love personally, as we've talked about a million times, it is no secret to anyone to see Pamela Adlon get nominated here because her directing is just magnificent. It's a show that is constantly surprising, uh, handles tonal changes so incredibly well, gets inspiration from a million different places and, you know, incorporates it into this one very understandable and relatable program. So I, I think it's it would be ridiculous if she didn't get nominated this year. But um, Rami also feels like one that that is probably right there. Where if it's if it's going to have a good year, you'll see some nods for for directing. Well, Ben, before we move on uh, to a brand new segment, we're going to be debuting. Ooh, uh, that's how I tease that. Um, do you want to talk about a potential writing nominate? Well. What do you think is definitely going to get in for writing one or two shows that you, you think will be uh, celebrated? And then what's something that you do want, really want to see enter the writing nomination grouping? I think, as you mentioned, um, one of the interesting things about last year was that Maisel didn't get in for a writing nomination. I, I think that was just a, a kind of... Um, there were just too many good shows. <laughs> like there's just too many, too much competition. And now that it's, uh, it's lightened up a little bit, I think Maze will be fine. They're, they're the, the leader in the category. So they'll find a way. Good place is something that was nominated last year and I'll find another way in. Uh, but the rest of them are all not really in consideration. Fleabag, Barry, Pen15, Russian Doll, and Veep are all out. So that opens the door. I think this is something where we'll see Shit's Creek get recognized. Um, if only because, you know, it's, it's very much geared around the writing more than the look of it. Like it's, it's the family and the, and how the cast comes together and orchestrating that can be rewarded from the writing branch. Um, I think dead to me probably has a pretty good shot. They Netflix has made a pretty strong push around Liz Feldman. So um, I'd, I'd feel pretty good about her. And again, like Rami with Rami Yusuf, 
it's just, it's one of those things, if they respond to the show, then it seems like a lock for writing. If they really do embrace the second season um, of, of this Hulu comedy, then it'll, it'll be here. Like it'll be in the writing as well. But if it's something where they're kind of just in and out on it, where they say, okay, we'll give something to Mahershala, we'll give something to Rami, we'll give something to kind of uh, a creative arts here and there, but it doesn't get comedy series, then it might not get writing either. Um, Better Things is kind of in the same boat for me. I think if it gets comedy series, it'll get a writing nod, it'll get Pamela Adlon, it'll get a couple more creative arts things. Um, But if it misses out on series, then it'll fall off again here. So um, that's the big one for me is, is Better Things. I would also give a huge shout out to Glow. I think Glow is one of the best written shows on TV. Uh, It's amazing how well they've kept that story going uh, over the course of its first three seasons. And um, yeah, they they, like the the episodes themselves are so strong, but then the the overall story continues to develop in really exciting ways. So um, I would love to see that happen. I'd love to see Kidding as well. Um, I'd love to see Sex Education get recognized now that it's in the proper category. That was something that got shoved into drama last year where it didn't belong and Netflix finally made the case and, and got into comedy this year. So that would be nice. But, um, but yeah, I, I kind of expect to see more domination from a core group of shows than spreading the wealth like last year. So last question from me. So mythic quest had that quarantine episode. Did they submit that for anything? Uh, they submit that in a different category. I okay. Can't remember- exactly what it is but i think it's a like a variety special or something okay because i just i just know that like if i were a voter and i saw that because that that definitely was innovative in so many ways um that it should probably get some kind of recognition oh they did submit wow you're right they did submit quarantine for writing they considered it a special episode but it still qualified because it was part of the it was the 10th episode of the season is how it appears there structuring this so this uh, is my leo garcia out on a limb prediction mythic quest quarantine edition love we'll it. get a nomination in writing for rob McElhenney, megan gans and david hornsby that's me wow and oddly enough it's the only episode they submitted for directing boom uh, it's gonna get both nominations <laughs> <laughs> calling it now that'd be pretty sneaky that'd be pretty good i'm surprised i can't wait to be wrong about this but i think i can or, see this happening or you're a legend. I mean, one or the other. <laughs> I mean, I just think I saw a lot of like heat and noise around that for them doing, they were, they were the first one to try it in a way that wasn't a, a talk show. Um, they leaned into Zoom, but did it in a way that made sense for the show. Yeah, and they were one of the few who were actually hailed for kind of striking the right tone and, and um, crafting it in a way that didn't, overly rely on zoom jokes and um you know grounding it in that sense of time like you knew when it was happening and why it was happening but you were able to kind of engage with the characters outside of it um plus apple spent a ton marketing that thing they got barry jenkins to talk to rob mecklenny so i mean i'm telling you that's my that's my out on a limb pick which is a i guess a new thing we're coining hopefully we can sell it to someone brought to you by arby's Leo's out on a limb pick. Man, you just made my dinner planning a lot easier. Um, And speaking of out on a limb, since we're without a limb, no Libby Hill, after this break, we're coming back with a special guest. That was an amazing segue. Segue. So obviously Libby is out this week. So we decided to break open a new segment 
since we can't have Libby ask us, is Quibi dead yet? The answer is not yet, but soon. Uh, so we have this new segment based on when Steve was last on the podcast, he was so great about recommending things to us. So we decided to have Steve Green, the recommendation machine, on the pod. And Steve, this was your idea. We're going to give you a minute to recommend something and then make as many salient points as you can. And then Ben and I get to ask follow-ups after that minute is done. So a minute on the clock, starting now. Great. Uh, I'm here today talking about Dare Me, uh, which is a show that premiered on USA earlier this year. It premiered in a dead zone between uh, New Year's and the first week of, of 2020. Uh, but I'm here to tell you that even though the show did not get picked up for a second season, it is absolutely worth your time. Uh, it's based on an incredible novel by Megan Abbott, a uh, co-showrun uh, of the show with Gina Fator. Uh, Steph Green, if you liked her work on Watchmen, she directed the pilot. Um, it's a dreamy slice of uh, life in a sort of unnamed Midwest town. 30. Centered on a group of high school cheerleaders. Um, and it starts out as, as sort of a, a, a drama uh, that morphs into something that's more like a psychological deep dive into uh, the lives of three uh, uh, women. One is the cheerleading coach and two Ten. are the other cheerleaders on the team. Um, the cheer sequences are great. Uh, it, it's very physical acting, a trio of amazing central performances. Boom. 59 seconds. <laughs> Steve. Whew. All right. Ben, do, you have, do you have a follow-up for Steve on Dare Me? Um, I have one very important immediate follow-up, which is how do you watch this show? So the first three episodes are available on the USA app if you want to purchase additional episodes, which I would say they're absolutely worth your money if you choose to go that route. Uh, if you want to watch the rest of the season, they are available to, to buy uh, at other locations. And not on Peacock. <laughs> Get on that, Peacock. you got some great content that, you're, 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 that you're, your subscribers are missing out on. Is it like cheerleading River, or Riverdale? Uh, executed a lot better. <laughs> um, this... <laughs> I, I think in Riverdale, there's there's a sense of kind of accidental camp um, that, that then the show really leaned into once people responded to that part of it more. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think uh, in in talking to the the creators and the co and the co showrunners of the show, uh, they definitely invoked the name Lynch uh, many times. It, like I think I think it's not a coincidence that like Blue Velvet is something that they referenced a lot in in, in the the writers' room and in the the sort of production process. Um, and I think it earns that in the best possible way. It, it takes it takes a lot of the the best uh, sort of looking at sort of the 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 underbelly of a uh, taking taking a look at people who present as like the, the ideal sort of American dream in this case, like your, your, your top high school cheerleaders and sort of looking at what's underneath that and what's, what's, what's kind of uh, underneath the surface that people like to present to the world. Um, and, and there are these really great uh, abstract sequences that open each episode as a way to kind of set the mood, but also uh, subconsciously kind of tease what's coming and you don't really realize at the moment, but then in hindsight, you realize, oh, that's, that's what it was kind of leading you towards. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being here for Steve Green, The Recommendation Machine, a segment that bears your name and nom de plume that I gave you, your nickname. <laughs> I, I, a moniker that I wear with absolute pride. It's one of the nicest things anyone has ever called me, and I will be happy to, uh, to, to earn that name in perpetuity uh, if so asked. 
Well, we'll welcome you back in subsequent weeks when Libby is back on the pod. Uh, but thank you so much for the for the recommendation. Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation and IndieWire. Our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video, Bjork Talking About Our TV, and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris-Brideson. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Anne Donahue. Our favorite TV shows starring a character named Libby include Lost, Andy Mack, and Shortland Street. I've only seen one of those. Hey, one one of those is from New Zealand, so okay, dig a little deep, but... Uh, our favorite on-screen Libby is Chris Evans interviewer Libby Hill and pod, co-podcast host. Oh, that's right. She does co- that too. Yeah, co-host of Millions of Screens, Libby Hill. I forgot. I was just so associated with Chris Evans. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter at Million Screens, at Midwest Fitfire, at Ben T. Travers, and at Leo Adrian Garcia. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. So leave a review and let us know what you think. This is Ben and Leo reminding you, as always, that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. I'm sure Libby is also reminding you about that right now. I hope she's thinking of something entirely different. Like a a guy unrolling a a tarp on a baseball field. Yes, I hope she's thinking about baseball tarps. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. (laughs) With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.